Well, howdy, sugar. <laughs> this here is Ro Lenore Zanz, and you are listening to the FSF Podcast. The show that made Professor X provide his legs with the will to get up and walk out of the room to save his eardrums. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 1992. She'll know that when she puts on the red shirt and joins the X-Men in the battles with Apocalypse and his four horsemen, that she didn't leave her family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has her back, and what's left of her powers. Alright guys, our guest today has been a longtime actress and voice actress who has starred in some pretty iconic roles over the years, including shows like Mobile Suit Gundam, Spider-Man, the animated series, Rescue Heroes, uh, Rescue Heroes, and a whole bunch more. Oh, you know, I forgot to mention, she was also the voice of Rogue, you know, in that little X-Men animated series in the 90s. That's also soon to be coming back on Disney Plus as X-Men 97, and dear Lord, that can't get here soon enough. <laughs> Let's all take a second to welcome Lenore Zen to the FSF Podcast. Welcome, Lenore. Well, thank you, sugar. I really appreciate being here and talking to y'all. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my goodness. I'm a kid. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Oh, we are. Keep so... talking like that. I'm just going to giggle the whole show. You know that, right? <laughs> just don't faint. I've had that happen before. Oh, I make no promises, but at least I'm sitting down, so it's not that far of a fall. There you go. You know, we we interviewed Sam Witwer, um, Star Wars voice actor, and I thought Tim was going to split like into two people. As soon as Sam showed up on screen and said hi, and I'm like, this is how Tim dies. This is when we lose Tim. <laughs> Going down. Nice. One of those now, days. What would have happen. done it, what would have done it, and I and I understand why he didn't, because he, he gets asked to do Darth Maul's voice all the time. And Darth Maul is one of my favorite villains in Star Wars. Had he done Darth Maul's voice, I, I may have giggled, followed by a slight piddle, but I would have at least giggled. Uh, but anyway... We can talk about Sam another time. We have Lenore here, so let's talk with with and about Lenore. So, Lenore, uh, you've had a pretty interesting pretty, uh, career path. You went from uh, actress to politician, and you're you're still an actress. You've done a lot in those uh, in those both of those fields. And with all that going on, it makes me really want to know more about your origin story because you've played superheroes, and of course, uh, every superhero has an origin story. So, Lenore Zan also has to have. An origin story. So what was it in your formative years that made you want to pursue a career in the performing arts? Well, interesting you should ask because um, a lot of people want to know that the, the origin story of Lenore Zan behind the voice of, of Rogue. And to be honest, I started writing um, a memoir. Uh, I started it in September. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm basically getting about one chapter a month right now. And I'm aiming to have it ready for next fall for publication. Um, it's called Lenore Zan, A Rogue's Tale, Awakening the Superhero Within. Stop with title. Thank you. And, you know, it's about a little girl who was born in Sydney, Australia, who uh, moved to Canada when she was eight and had to constantly kind of reinvent herself in order to meet new people she didn't know and try to fit in. And uh, humor was a lot of the, um, the, the weaponry that was used either against you or for you. So I found that making fun of myself before anybody else had a chance to was actually a really great way of survival. Um, and this was at a time when the Australian accent wasn't the cool thing it is today. It's before Crocodile Dundee, which <laughs> popular, like that I know no ice this season, no ice, you know? And, and um, so I, I, I kind of, I, I threw myself into books, reading, uh, imaginary games, wandering in the countryside in Nova Scotia, Canada, and writing stories and poems and singing to the cows. And uh, eventually, by the time I was 15, I auditioned for uh, a musical in high school, and I was uh, cast as one of the lead roles, uh, Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. 
And that was the thing that gave me the bug that made me want to act. And by the time I was 19, I was cast as Marilyn Monroe in a rock opera on the life of Marilyn Monroe. And that catapulted my career then to the movies and television. And I started getting booked on movies and TV. And I did that for, you know, the next 10, 11 years until I turned 31. And I just finished a play in New York. I came back from uh, this great hit show in New York off Broadway and was cast in X-Men. And then that began my, my voiceover career. So that's kind of the beginning. And I've continued doing movies and television, live action in between all those years. And it was only recently, about 12 years ago, that I, I was asked to run for politics in my home province of Nova Scotia. And um, lo and behold, I won. And I won, uh, I won four elections in a row. So for 12 years, I was an elected official here. And then I'm back being the X-Men. I'm back being <laughs> the X-Men, and I have a movie coming out as well. And an album. Yeah, so, oh, wow. Yeah, you're busy. Then. Nothing like throwing yourself back in the deep end, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that'll keep you busy. That's, that's the longevity of it. But, uh, but yeah, I was very lucky along the way, and a number of times people saw me, I was exposed, and they saw me and said, like, that's the perfect actress to play this role or that role, and, and X-Men is no, is no different from that. So, I mean, you mentioned it in, in your origin story that you were in musicals, and I love musicals. Nick loves musicals. Tim does not. And so we like to give Tim a hard time because he doesn't like music. What weirdo doesn't like musicals? It's, this, it's this bizarre. That, that weirdo right there. It doesn't have to be the right musical to grab his attention. I mean, you know, there are shows like Elvis, like the movie Elvis that's out right now. You know, obviously there's a lot of music in that. Um, there are a lot of great rock musicals that, I mean, and I fell in love with like Jesus Christ Superstar, for instance. Mm -hmm. And that was a uh, that was new. That was really cutting edge for its day, and had different a different type of music. Um, so you know, maybe it just takes the right one to to get his to pique his interest. I'm still trying to find one. His his wife has also been trying to find one for thirty years. That, like, yeah, he would enjoy. But we're we're trying. But finding so far, out about, so far no good. Finding out about Hey Marilyn, which was one that I had not heard of. That is. That is an exciting musical. I, I'm looking more into it because that's that's a really cool idea. So what is it? About, yeah, what is it about musicals that you enjoy as a performer or as the member of an audience? Because both sides of it are fun. I've been on both sides of it, and either on stage or in the audience, they're they're just they're so much fun for me. What is it that you enjoy about them? Well, you know, I think it's great that a lot of schools, junior high schools and high schools, put on musicals for the kids, that they can get the kids involved in doing something where they get to know their fellow students. Mm -hmm. um, our high school was no different. The guidance counselor was the director of the musicals, and he oftentimes would make sure that he brought in the sports teams as well. So he would get guys who were football players, also getting them in the musicals, playing some of the really great characters like West Side Story, some of the gang the gang members and guys and dolls, they were the guys throwing the crap shooting stuff. And he believed that, you know, it was very healthy for kids to have an outlet like that, the arts, where they could express themselves and where they could build do team building, but not necessarily in a sports in a sports team. And so I I find that musicals are, are very important that way. You have to build a team. You're all in it together. And in uh, hey, Marilyn, which was my very first starring role in a musical, I was thrust at the age of 19 into playing uh, the starring role of Marilyn Monroe. I was a kid from Truro, Nova Scotia, originally Australia, and the newspapers across Canada all said things like, well, the great Marilyn Monroe was a huge sexual icon, but... In January 1980 is when it was, 1980, uh, the, this unknown girl from Truro, Nova Scotia is going to attempt to recreate the great M.M. I mean, no pressure, right? <laughs> no, no, not whatsoever. You're fine. You know? And so because it was all sung, there's no dialogue, 
there were very uh, a real range of songs like high and low and uh, belting out songs and high uh, and very high soft notes as well. And I have to say, and this is going to be in the book, during that time of rehearsals, the the, the director of the show, who was from England and had done Oliver in the West End in London and Oliver on Broadway, uh, started coming on to me and sexually harassing me during that show, during the rehearsals. His oh. wife pregnant upstairs in the same building. Oh, my God. And he invited me to the swimming pool. This was the first time I found out. And to go for a swim, and I was like, oh, wow, the director wants to have a swim with me in the swimming pool. Great. We're going to talk about the show and how exciting is this. But he... He ended up coming on to me, and it, and it was a sexual assault. And after that, I, I, I didn't know what to do. He kept calling me, saying he was missing me, asking me what I was wearing. It was horrendous. I went out. It got so bad that I went out, and I bought myself an engagement ring with my weekly salary. And I remember my weekly salary at the time was $500 a week, and it, cost, it bought me an engagement ring, and I bought it and I put it on and I went to, to rehearsals and I told everybody that my boyfriend back in Nova Scotia had sent it in the mail and that I married in the hopes that this guy would leave me alone. Yeah. And even that didn't work. So you'll have to read the, the book to find out exactly what happened. But let's just say it was the very first of a number of incidents like that that have happened to me throughout my life. And I came out stronger because of it because I never let in and I never gave up and I never gave up my dignity and my 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 belief in myself. And so for any other young people out there who have ever had to deal with something like that, my hat goes off to you. Please do tell somebody, uh, share that knowledge with somebody and don't let them get away with it. At the time, I didn't know what to do and other than look after the issue myself, but I shouldn't have had to. No. Yeah. I don't know. At 19- bring a downer on it, but that will- oh, oh, 19, nobody knows what to do. That's- And, you know, these days, of course, there's more talk about it and, and there's more awareness and people saying, you know, you have to report it. Plus you have uh, unions and people like that that you can go to. Back then, I didn't even have an agent. I was so fresh and new. They just discovered me. I didn't even have an agent yet, so I, I didn't have anybody I could, and I was the youngest one in the company. I turned 20 during that production ha- and had my birthday, and I, like, I didn't share the knowledge with anybody. So it's pretty lonely, you know, and it's only now that I'm actually speaking out about it and talking about it, because it's, it's going to be in my book. Wow. Yeah. Two things. Sorry you had to experience that, and thank you for feeling safe enough to share it with us here. Thank I, you. That means a lot to us. Uh, speaking for Nick and Kathleen, that that means a lot to us that you'd feel comfortable enough to talk with us about that. So, and thank you for providing encouragement for those who are or have experienced such a thing. Uh, it's unfortunate that anybody ever has to do that, but yeah, that's good advice. Speak up, speak out, let somebody know what's going on. Yeah, because if you hide it and you keep it buried inside, it will eat away at you, and eventually it will have an effect on you. And it's much better to deal with it at the time so even though it's hard it's it's embarrassing it makes you feel shame which it shouldn't they're the ones who should be feeling the shame um you know the best thing is to to actually share that information with somebody and to do something about it to put a stop to it yeah yeah absolutely that is one of the hardest things about that is how shamed the the victims feel in that and that is so so unfair to them to to feel that shame. I feel horrible that you had to go through that, especially at such a young age. I mean, you should never have to deal with that. But 19 and 20 is so hard anyway, trying to figure out who you are in your life to then have that happen to you. That's awful. Yeah. And especially when you've got all that pressure on you to have to perform and be like the star of this show. With- right. Right. You've got the... I- on you you know i mean i'm i'm lucky i didn't buckle under the pressure but i i didn't i i rose to the occasion and uh you know and it it has definitely been something that i feel like well if i can overcome that i can overcome anything (laughs) you found your inner superhero i found my inner superhero that was the beginning absolutely yeah 
So speaking of superheroes, you also played Tigra in Avengers United They Stand. So did you did you find any similarities in the characters of Rogue and Tigra? And did you pull traits from one to benefit the other? Well, it's interesting because both characters are very strong females. Um, they have a lot of similarities. And uh, I used my own voice for both of them. But with, with, uh, with Rogue, I put on a southern accent. And with Tigra, I just made it more middle American. But, like, I'm trying to remember how she sounded. I had the lines, things like, uh, Hey, Hawkeye, I wanted a real workout. Something like that. Like, I wanted a real workout. You know, so I, I would use the R's and things. So anything that could be equated with, like, a bit of a growl, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a fun character. I, I loved Greer, Greer Larson, I think her name is. And uh, there are fans out there who would love to see Tigra come back in the animated circles into to the series different series and sure i would love i would love to play tigra again she was she was fun this is fun now uh, lenore so we like many others are so very excited that the x-men animated series is coming back and that it's going to be airing on disney plus in the fall and i love that i can watch all the older series right now on disney plus that makes me so yeah i'm just happy about that. um uh, this is all... Exactly. And it's really cool, especially for those of us who were at the right age. I was in high school in the 90s when that show was on. I remember watching it religiously. I mean, that was part of my routine. That was part of my thing. I watched X-Men. That was what I did. But in your opinion, and keeping good with all NDAs that Disney has out there because, well, they're Disney. and I Disney's terrifying. And yeah, we just can't <laughs> afford that. Uh, what can, what should, and they own the Sentinels now, so... Exactly. George reminded us of that. Yeah, George Booza reminded us of that, that they now own the Sentinels, so be careful. Um, so what should we as fans be looking forward to with this revision of X-Men? Well, let's put it this way. Um, it's not really a revision. It's really the same vision. Luckily, the producers, the directors, the animators, everybody that's working on it, the, the composers, I've l- been lucky enough to meet a number of them now in Los Angeles and they're all fans. They are all fans of the show. They want to do right by the other fans and by the Bible that is this show, what makes this show tick. Uh, So I think we're in very good hands. It's very exciting. When I get the scripts, I can't stop reading them. I can't put them down until I'm finished reading the scripts. That's a good sign. Because for an actor who's read a lot of scripts, believe me, sometimes you're just like, oh, yeah, yada, 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 that, oh, I know what's going to happen next. And you flip and you flip and then you get to the next part. I don't do that with these ones. I read it all the way through. I can see it in my mind's eye. I can hear it. I can hear it. I can hear the music. And um, it's going to keep people on the edge of their seats. Also, I think that um, people are going to be thrilled to see these characters come back to life. We're picking it up basically after the last episode, uh, graduation day ends. And so it is a good idea for fans if they can to watch the shows now on Disney Plus and get caught up so that they're they're really up to up to scratch with what's what's happening. And then you, you won't be confused when when we go back into it and you and we take off and it's it's just really more episodes. And so Larry Houston, our original director, who is also directing the the opening credits uh, series, he he called the, the last show we did "Lightning in a Bottle," like because we had all the right elements, all these people from all these different places coming together, and it was like lightning in a bottle. And he and I have checked with each other numerous times now, and we both feel this is like lightning in a bottle as well. So that that's. A really good sign. We're all very excited. Yeah, I think uh, for me, one of the things that I'm most excited about, and it was both, in, now we, we caught up with you and Grand Rapids at the Grand Rapids Comic Con, and there was a nice panel there with everybody that was there from the X-Men series, including Larry and Eric and Julia, and a lot of the cast was there as well. I thought it was really cool when you guys were in the panel room and you guys were talking about it, just 
you know, and I think it's, it's mentioned a lot of different times that, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, yeah, we, we were like a big family and that, you know, but I think a lot of times we don't get to see that portion of it. We, you know, we either see or hear just that, you know, the people, the actors doing their jobs, right? Yeah. But when, in that panel room, you guys were having fun on the couches, just sitting there talking with the audience. I think you were having more fun with each other than you were having fun with the audience. And you guys were having a blast with the audience, it looked like. You know, you guys were in, it, in the interchange and everything else. So for me, that's always really very a, a very cool standard of how, you know, when I think of how a show is going to go and how good a show can be, is when you see the cohesiveness of the cast and how well they work with each other. And I was watching you guys and how well you guys bounced off each other, just sitting there and joking around about who's going to answer this question and you want it this time? If I could take it this time, you know, and just all these different things. And it was just, for me, that was very cool, very nice to see. Well, we do call it the X family or the X-Men familia. And we include the fans in that family. We, we have a, an X-Men community now and it's growing every day. And I believe it's made up of people who believe as we do that it's okay to be different. And in fact, that's the spice of life. And, you know, as, as my character Rogue says in one episode uh, of um, the, the, the Cure, it's called, when she goes over to Muir Island because she wants to give up her superpowers because she wants to be normal so that she can touch someone, so that she can be in love, so that she can be like what she feels is a normal human being. She wants to give up her, her special powers, but in the course of that episode, she realizes that it's all of the little quirks and things that n make up her powers, which perhaps are not her, her favorite things about herself, are actually important in making her who she is. And she learns that she needs to appreciate and accept herself as she is, the way she is, and that that's okay. And in the very end, I believe my, my line is something like, um, yeah, there ain't no cure for who you are. And I would add, nor should there be. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, that, that actually ties right into what I wanted to talk about is why these characters are so compelling. We talked to George yesterday and I asked him the same question on why, why Beast has the, the lasting factor that he has. But why do you think that Rogue, who first joined in 1981, joined the X-Men in 1983? I mean, people have been following Rogue's story for over 40 years at this point. What do you think it is about her that made it so that she's she's still new and exciting even 40 years later? I think people can relate to Rogue because she's not perfect. She She has a temper. She wants to be loved. She wants to help others. She's trying desperately to find herself. And she's constantly seeking for that knowledge of what makes her tick and what makes the world tick and what's the world about anyway, Alfie. And I think people can relate to her in that, in that way. I think a lot of people feel very lonely. And Rogue really... She she is the epitome of that. She's the epitome of a strong, beautiful woman in this case, a strong, beautiful person who can never be intimate with anybody because she's afraid that if she does, she will kill them. She will become stronger herself and take upon her their powers and become even stronger, but she will kill them. So that is that is a very frightening aspect of her own personality and her own character so she she never really can let her guard down she's a bit of a loner that way and i think i think people can relate to that definitely <laughs> one way or another you know even if the those who are in relationships can can relate to to that because there's a fear of of being intimate in being intimate will the person accept me for who i am and with rogue She's she doesn't want to take that chance because she's seen what it can do. And she, you know, with Cody, for instance, when she was, I remember I was 13. I, I had me a boyfriend. I had me a boyfriend till I kissed him. Poor boy went into a coma for three days. So <laughs> if I touched anybody, it just drove the life right out of him. I don't know, Beast. You know everything. What makes us like the way we are anyway? 
<laughs> that was one of my first line, one of my first monologues I had to do. I think I did it for my audition. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I could relate to it even then. So I, I think that is one of the things, though, that I love so much about X Men is that the individual characters all have such complex storylines that you really, you come to know and love them individually. You get to know their sometimes tragic backstories or sometimes less tragic backstories. But then realizing that as a team, they they work so much better together, but that they also know who they are individually. And I, I love that. I love the, I, I need to go watch more X-Men. The, well, the only caveat yeah. I would put to that, Kathleen, is that they had complex stories, but there's also a, a great simplicity to each one of their stories, which makes them relatable individually yeah. as well. Yeah. And and as we talk about them being a team, um, we watched an episode in Grand Rapids where Morph and uh, and Wolverine are talking and, and Morph keeps morphing into all these different personalities and he's trying to run away from the X-Men and he's angry. And Wolverine says hey man we're not gonna let you go no we're not gonna let you go and walk alone nobody gets left behind here with the x-men we're gonna we're we're with you and we're gonna be with you until you're ready you're okay to be yourself and i think that is true friendship and that's you know that's what therapy groups are about that is what you know what we all need to do to each with each other to be able to sustain our society through all of these terrible tragedies and catastrophes that continue to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's what makes the family strong, too. Certainly having characters like Rogue and Wolverine and Beast, like having those X-Men characters, they truly, you know, are precious to our hearts and we we can, like, connect with them in that way. But Did. is there another project that you had worked on that is a little less known, that is also close to your heart? Are you going to give me a hint? I, I've done a number of projects, so... No, it's more so about you. Like, what, uh, what, like what project to you was... It, it, it may not be well-known, but it is a project that you were just in love with, and it was just something that you really enjoyed. Maybe you thought it needed more attention. That I got. To be honest, um, I've really loved all of the shows I've been in. All of the animation series have been like Outlaw Star, for instance. That's a good one. That's an like kind of anime, and I play um, Aisha Clan Clan, mm -hmm. who is this crazy cat-like creature. When she gets, she's like Tigra. When she gets angry, she turns into this giant cat woman who's like super super strong and you you really can't take her on or when she eats if she starts eating and then she starts eating really fast she she, she grows into this great big huge tiger cat woman character she's amazing and uh that series uh, there are fans out there but i think it, it it should have got more attention than it did it was a lot of fun to do and if anybody's out there wants to watch some more shows that that i'm in check out outlaw star and aisha clan clan it's lots of fun. Um, but, you know, being a Canadian actor, I have to say, a lot of things Canadian actors do don't get the attention that they deserve. Um, we live next to this great big giant called the United States, which takes up a lot of air and a lot of airtime. And so when we do movies or television series and things like that, um, they oftentimes don't get the airplay or even shown in the movie theaters uh, the way that the American shows do. And a lot of it boils down to money, and it boils down to we have less people in Canada. Even like we our publishing, our publishing industry is much smaller, and we don't have all the magazines and fan magazines and things like that um, that, that you guys have in the States that really help actors kind of grow their following and go up the ladder here we don't have it we have a joke it's like oh yeah you're a canadian star oh well who knew you know i mean right you know 
And most people don't even know here in Canada that the X-Men, the original X-Men, were all Canadians. Right. They're surprised. We, we haven't even been invited to one Comic-Con in Canada. Can you believe that? Not really? No. We've been, we've been invited to all these ones across the States and over in Europe. Um, like I'm going back to, Mich- like I've done LA, San Diego, um, a, a ton of, you know, a ton of other places. I'm going to Chicago. We're all going in the end of March. We, didn't, we have not been invited to one Comic-Con in Canada yet. That blows my mind. <laughs> you don't think that Toronto would, like... Think, yeah, but... I would think that Toronto would be all over it, at least Toronto. But no, nothing. That's insane. Someone even reached out from our X-Men team to say, hey, would you like us to come to Toronto? That was like a year ago, and they were like, no, no. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know... I mean, I'm, we're in Michigan. I know that, like, I mean, you guys were just in Grand Rapids, but I also know that if you guys were in Toronto, it would not be totally out of sorts for me to be like, hey, I'm going to go to Toronto, go to Comic-Con to go see X-Men. I'm literally talking to my buddy about going to, coming to Chicago to see you guys again. Oh, good. Please do. Yeah, March 31st till April 2nd, we'll be there. Yeah, because I have a buddy who lives, uh, well, it's a small town just on the, on the, the curve or the bottom of Lake Michigan. Right. In Michigan. And we're like, yeah, we'll just let's just take the train over. And, uh, you know, it's like a it's like a two hour ride on the train. Yeah, it's greater. Spend all day in Chicago. And yeah. Take the train back to his house. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And so See, and I'm, I'm looking at us there at that one. Eight of the X-Men team. I'm yeah. looking at it with you. If you guys are in Toronto, it's actually a shorter drive for me to go to Toronto than it is to go to my mom's house. Wow. And- right to the Toronto page. Oh my gosh! Having the X Men there, maybe when the when the new show comes out, maybe by then they'll be interested. I don't know. I really, I. It's almost like Canada has this um, a low self opinion of ourselves. Like, oh, we're not as good as the United States, or oh, we're not as good. Oh, our Canadian actors aren't as good as the American stars. You know, it's like. Meanwhile, here we are. We were all Canadian in that show, and of course, let's let's be real. The X-Men animated series from the 90s is now one of the top two animated series of all time. And we recorded it in Toronto. And so what, really, what really confuses me with that is one of the most loved actor in the United States is Canadian. Like, everybody yeah. loves Ryan Reynolds. Yes, yes. They know. Oh, you guys deserve more attention. So what we're going to do is we're going to start an internet thing and we're going to like reach out to Ryan Reynolds and we're going to Ryan Reynolds to ask the Toronto people to have you come and and, and somehow make this work. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Make this work somehow or not. And I will say that, I mean, anytime I get the opportunity that I would be like, hey, I need to go to Toronto. Oh, darn. Darn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Out of my my favorite big city ever. Oh, God. Toronto's awesome. Get well, real Tim Hortons. Well, I'll tell you. Anyway, we're looking forward to coming to Chicago, and we've got a number of other places already booking up as well. Uh, there's probably about five or six places. Cities Very cool. Booked. Yeah. So cool. All right. Yeah. So we have a, a Facebook group of about 209,000 followers right now, mm-hmm. and we have all our followers on Twitter and Instagram and all those other places. And so what we did is we asked them if they had any questions for you. Oh, so these are these are questions from our, our, our listeners, our followers. Okay. Uh, from Twitter, at Jester Nene asked, uh, she's also part of a podcast, a Star Trek podcast called the Crusher Convo Podcast. Very cool show. Go check it out, guys. Um, anyway, she said, I loved this show when I was young. This is why I cried when I saw Patrick Stewart as Xavier, because he brought my childhood to life. I wonder what Lenore wished they brought to the table when it came to Rogue. Oh, you mean in the in the film version? It's the live action film version. Yeah. The live action. Well, I I think it's amazing that they chose Anna Paquin, who is an Academy Award winning actress. Mm-hmm. I think that she was not served very well by the way that they presented and wrote the character for the movies, uh, because they really made Rogue a mixture, they kind of mixed her with Jubilee mm-hmm. and made her more of a sort of whiny teenager, for want of a better description. 
who wasn't strong and kind of needed help all the time. And that's not rogue at all. Um, I think they were going for the demographic. And since they didn't have Jubilee in it, they it seemed to me, and, and I've talked to the, the Allison Court who played the voice of the original Jubilee, and we both agree that they morphed those two characters kind of together. And I think that did a disservice to the character of Rogue, to be honest. It, yeah, I, I missed Rogue's sassiness and her boldness and her, yeah. They made her a damsel in distress instead of instead yeah. of the sassy, brassy person she was. Yeah, yeah. So I would agree with that. Yeah. So continuing with the listener questions, um, Fubzato, which is a great name. I don't know why that cracks me up as much as it does. I don't know what that means, but I like it. I, it's just fun to say. Right? Fubzato. Anyway. <laughs> so Fubzato wanted to know, when you received the news that you would be reprising the role of Rogue, how did you feel? And what similarities to you do you think that you have with that character? Well, uh, when I was approached to reprise the role of Rogue, uh, I had just had a major, some major setbacks in my life. And my dear, sweet little niece of 17 years old had just died of cancer. And so my family and I were in deep, deep, deep mourning, grieving. I had also just been... um, bullied and had death threats for the last year and a half of my political life um, after the largest mass shooting in Canada's history took place in my community. And we were, so we had this terrible tragedy, which was extremely upsetting for everybody. And also uh, my government that I belong to, we banned 1,500 different types of semi-automatic weapons shortly after that. And I was asked publicly, is it too soon to talk about more gun control? I said, it's never too soon to talk about more gun control. We, we want to keep our constituents safe. Mm-hmm. So I became a target then of the gun industry and of a number of disturbed individuals who started threatening my life constantly for about a year and a half. And I had to get protection and security around my house and things like this. And my niece was dying. And then they called an early election, and I lost the election. And so it was the fifth election. Four of them had been successful, and this was my fifth one. It was just too much to bear. I I really went into deep, deep depression after that. And then I got this call from Hollywood, from a casting director, Meredith Lane, who is now the director of X-Men 97, saying that Disney and uh, Marvel Studios were interested in knowing if I would be interested in in coming back and reprising the role of Rogue in the X-Men. And it was like a ray of uh, sunshine. It was like a ray of God's light reaching down and going, hey, girl, got your back. We got something in mind for you that's bigger than all of the above. And you're needed and you're wanted and the world needs you. And that's that to me was like a saving grace. It was really an amazing experience. And of course, that's going to be in the book too. <laughs> I am so looking forward to your book. Well, you can Thank say you. it. I'm, all I'm hearing is more reasons to read your book. So <laughs> Thank you. And to have you back on the show when your book comes out to talk to you more about exactly. your book. Yeah. And to be honest... Um, the character is going to go through a lot of emotions as she usually does. But I said to the producers when they interviewed me for the job, and I said, you know, to be honest, after everything I've just been through, I don't feel like I need to do any more emotional homework. I've done it. (laughs) I'm ready. Just give me the mic and let me speak. (laughs) You know, so I think that the audience and the fans will hear the authenticity in the voice of whatever Rogue is about to go through. Excellent. Excited. Right? How's it fall yet? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually wish the year along, but I'm like, you know, if we can get here fast enough, you know, just skip ahead a little bit so I can get Mandalorian Season 3, then skip ahead a little bit again so I can get X-Men 97. Right. I'll be okay. Okay. 
They'll be here before you know it. We just need to survive until the fall. <laughs> yes, we do. Right. One day, one breath at a time. <laughs> exactly. If the dumpster fire could just slow its burning down a little bit so that we're still alive for X minutes. I know. I know. Dang it. Gosh. We can do this. Yeah. So speaking of our Facebook group, it is also filled with memes, memes galore. And it usually mashes this with this. So if you were to take two of your characters, mash them together, which two characters would you like to see either come together to join forces or to kind of take traits from and become a new character? Oh, well, that's a good question. Well, I have a, a character that's in a show called Stormhawks. And her name, her the character's name is Master Cyclonus. And she is the evil, the embodiment of evil. And she wants to rule the entire universe and have it at her command. I like her already. She's fabulous. She's got <laughs> dark hair and she's got this collar. She wears these purple robes and oh. comes up kind of like a vampire. And she's got a crystal orb on the end of this wand and dark, dark makeup, you know, really dark makeup, like Egyptian, kind of almost like um, Cleopatra makeup. Fabulous. So it'd be fun to put her and Rogue together <laughs> in a character, Al. Who knows? Let's write it and then I'll do it. There you go. Somebody out here surely can can write and has. There's lots of smart people with good imaginations out there. I'm just yeah. not one of them. So let's see what they can do. Well, thank you. I now have like two new shows I have to go to get you through to survive until X Men. You now have two other shows to buy. Like two other things. Totally two other things good. to binge. Yeah. All right, Lenore. We've made it this far in the show. We're at a point where we like to take our guests through a little bit of a quiz. Okay. Okay. So what this is? It's a four question quiz. Mm-hmm. The quiz is all about X Men. Right. All right. Up finding the answers. I hope so. We'll we'll find out. Uh, and uh, each question is multiple choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get three of the four questions correct, we want to send you this book, which is called Custodians of the Cosmos. It's written about a young man who wanted to join something quite like Star Trek, but not Star Trek because litigious reasons. And uh, even though he didn't make it into their version of the Federation, he did rejoin as a custodian. To boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, if, however, you do not get three questions correct, you only get two questions correct, well, we just talked about all those memes in our large Facebook group. We take a picture of you, we make a meme out of you, and we put it into our Facebook group. We call it our fun sequence. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right, Nick. Take us out. The sound for Magneto's powers was also used by what show? Was it A, Spider-Man for the Great Goblin's Glider, B, Star Trek for Klingon Cloaking, or C, the Fantastic Four for Reed Richards Stretching? Wow. I don't know. What were the three again? Uh, the Green Goblin's Glider, Klingon Cloaking, or Reed Richards stretching? Probably the third one, I would think. It was actually Klingon cloaking. Really? Yeah, that was, it right was used. Uh, it was used again, however they used it. Uh, apparently, they used it in the movie, the Star Trek III, uh, Search for Spock, when they when they would cloak the, the Klingon bird of prey ship. That, yeah. that, that noise when the ship cloaks is yeah. the same so. Wow. See, I would I would wonder, I was going on, well, who owned the rights to this yeah. the sound? And it would have been 20th Century Fox, Saban Entertainment, and that, now it's Disney. But anyway, yep, well, there you go. Don't know that. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know that one either until I found it. There you go. Yeah. Question at number two. Rogue what? Yeah, wow. Hey, look, Tim didn't mess up tonight. It was me. Yes. All right. Question number two. Rogue lost what ability 
in the movies? A, mind control, B, self-healing, or C, flight? Hmm. Well, since I only watched the first movie, I really don't know. I didn't watch the rest of them. So I have no idea. All right, let's make it a 50-50. We'll take off mind control because she... We know that Rogue never had mind control. No, she didn't. That was Jane Grey. What were the other two? Self-healing or flight? And self-healing, well, that was Wolverine's, but uh, I suppose she could have lost her flight. I don't know. She actually did lose her flight, so you are correct. Yeah, they grounded her for for the movie. They made her damsel in distress and grounded her. Really? How, how How did she lose her flight? They just never gave they just it. Just never had it. What? Yeah, it yeah, was not they, part of her power set in the movie. They totally like ignored it in the movie. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, they probably didn't want to get into the whole Ms. Marvel thing. Probably. Gets her, that's how she gets her ability to fly. Is she gets it from Ms. Marvel, right? And guess what? You just answered question number three without even us asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> What? What was the question? Who's well, the rogue gained her ability to fly from home. Was it Miss Marvel, Cable, or Nightcrawler? Yeah, definitely Miss Marvel. Yeah. All right, yeah. So you got two correct, one incorrect. There you go. All right. Good. I don't get darts thrown at me at the. Not not just yet. You got you got one more question. Oh, God. All right. Question number four. In Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. X-Men 97 theme plays when what character enters the room? Professor X's wheelchair. Yes. Yes. I, I, oh, man, when that happened I, at the theater, I yelled. I'm like, yes. Yes. You know, it's so, I, you know, my husband and I went and saw it, and as soon as that that theme started, everybody in the theater did the. <gasps> yeah. 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 <laughs> And actually, in San Diego, when they announced that uh, Disney had greenlit a second season already for our new show, they also talked about the theme song, and they said they were going to play the the new a new version of the theme song, and they played it, and the place went wild. Oh, my oh I bet. The Newton Brothers. I'm going to give a shout-out to the Newton Brothers, who are the composers, musicians, who are composing the music for our show and they're doing a fantastic job on her some of the stuff already is it's it's awesome it's fine tingling i love it excellent well yeah. lenora that's three out of four you don't get a meme but you do thank get goodness. a book so yay you, you later about it well lenora thank you so much for being on our show today where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your works well they can just follow me on social media on Instagram at Lenore Zan, L-E-N-O-R-E-Z-A-N-N, or Twitter, it's at Zan Lenore, actually on Twitter, and Facebook, Lenore Zan. And you can just follow me on any of those. And I oftentimes respond to fans when they when they message and send me little tweets or send me Instagram messages. I'll I'll respond back publicly. So Awesome. Well, yeah. we will definitely link your socials and eagerly anticipate both X-Men 97 and your memoir. Yes, thank you. Can you tell and us the, the title of your book again? Album, right? I've got Yes, and your album, definitely. Yeah. The album and the and the book kind of go hand in hand in a way cuz I I recorded the songs in the album during that last year while I was still in politics and then when I came out of politics really as a way of dealing with my own emotions uh, as opposed to like going to a, like a therapist. I used music therapy, so I would, I would record songs that spoke to me that I could really let out my emotions in them, and uh, they tell a story as well, and I'm still recording. I'm going back in the recording studio to do one more song that I wrote called, um, I'm calling it Mojo Man, an ode to Remy LeBeau. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we want to make sure that you guys understand that subscribing is the single most important thing that you could do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Lenore Zan here today uh, to have these funny moments for you guys to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. Your subscription helps us to grow, helps us to continue to get guests, and uh, it just it helps. And make sure that you go check out Lenore's work as well. She's got this book coming out. She's got an album coming out. 
and X-Men 97. And a movie called The Madones. That's coming out as well. I'm, I play Gladys Madone. It's a feature film. And we're recording. We're going to do one more day of of uh, of shooting, and then it's coming out this coming year sometime. So keep an eye out for that. The middle. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Thank check you out for the work you do for the sick kids as well, because that's really important. Oh, Raising money for them. Thank I'm you. Trying. And guys, one more thing. Hey, remember, if you're not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Rogue from the X Men. Keep in mind that Rogue, all that she has to do is touch another, anyone really, of the other X-Men to borrow their ability when it's time to dole out that punishment to those less than desirable podcasters. So please keep that in mind when you submit your complaint and duplicate. Of course, one copy for Rogue and then one copy to be kept on file at Xavier's School for the Gifted, home of the X-Men. Just know that when she comes, and she will come to dole out punishment for bad deeds, we didn't mean to make the mistakes. We're just not very good. So we understand that the need for the complaint system, we just ask that you be nice and keep it to yourself, maybe. We're doing You know, if Rogue were to touch me, she'd get a mustache. <laughs> crippling depression. Don't so touch him. <laughs> anxiety and crippling depression. Poor Rogue. There you go. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think we all have that right now, don't we? I think everybody's... I think so Rogue would touch any one of us and just be like, oh, honey. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to conclude us for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Charlie. Bye, sugar. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSFPopCast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2023 FSF Podcast. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by FSF Podcast. The views expressed by the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at info at fsfpopcast.com. Original music by Jordan Michaels. <laughs>